Hello, Hello yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. What? Hello. All I want to say is what the actual to this week. What a week. We started it on such a high, but how the mighty have fallen is all I can say. Before we actually talk about the actual, like, extreme problem that actually happened this week let's just go Mm -hmm. back a little bit we went away we had a really really nice time and (laughs) we went out for dinner and then we came back to the hotel and we hopped into bed and then I was like oh I feel a bit sick and then this was like 2 a.m in the morning yeah we both woke up I feel a little bit sick threw up and then you're like Oh, I feel so- no. Hang on. You actually were like, "Hey, I can't sleep. Do you mind if I close the blinds?" Oh, and then they closed. And then you were like, "Oh, do you mind if I put this person on?" It was like a sleep app, a sleep meditation because I couldn't get back to sleep. But she put on this woman's voice, and I think it made me more awake than ever. It was so painful. But then she said she'd change it to Harry Styles, which did calm it down. But then next minute she's throwing up, and then I threw up, and then she threw up, and then Sophie just didn't stop throwing up. And then we had to drive back from Brisbane, which Brisbane to where I live is about an hour and a half, and we took it in turns driving. But there was points that I was literally driving a car We didn't have a plastic bag. I had one of Nick's T-shirts stuffed into his fedora and was literally vomiting as I was driving. It was so fucked. And then I just came home and continued to vomit for 12 hours. Absolutely awful. But the thing is I thought that was the low of my week. Go on. But it wasn't. So while I was away, also while Mama tried to get one fucking night away and ended up with food poisoning also look and I'm not blaming Nick he's an incredible parent this was not his (laughs) fault but it's just one of those things where you're like come on I was just trying to go away for one night like let me have it so while I was away Poppy and him and Goldie went over to the park and they were on their way back from the park and Poppy was running and I just want to preface this with like Poppy is so cautious. Like Mm. I cannot explain how cautious she is. She doesn't climb on high things. She doesn't go down like fast slides. She's like she likes an adventure but she's very cautious at the same time. So she's literally running, just running, just on her feet running on the way back and she trips and falls over while she's running. And she fell onto her knee and, like, she got a graze straight away on her knee. And Nick did say she was extremely upset, but without sounding like a mole of a parent, when she hurts herself, she does get very upset and and sometimes it's not a big injury. So, anyway, he brought her home and he didn't tell me about it that night, but the next morning when I called him to tell him about my food poisoning, (laughs) he said, look, 
I'm just a bit concerned about Poppy. She fell over yesterday, but actually, she's... before you say that, you were telling him that you were currently throwing up in his fedora hat on the <laughs> way home, and he's like, "Oh, that's okay, babe." Oh, by the way, <laughs> now you can. By continue. the way, Poppy's not really weight bearing on her leg, and I said, "Look, if you're really concerned, take her into hospital," and. Nick doesn't normally do this for work, but he had an extremely important meeting that he had to get to in Brisbane and I had food poisoning. So I couldn't even meet them at the hospital and take her in because I was literally vomiting into a hat. So I said, look, let's just watch her today. He said, look, I think that it's just the greys on her knee. Let's just watch her today. And if she's still bad tomorrow, you know, we'll take her in. Anyway, when I saw her, she was fine. Like she didn't want to walk on it, but when, like if she wasn't moving it or anything, she was absolutely fine, wasn't upset. I was like, oh God, it can't be broken and for her to be this happy, you know, when she's not moving it. I think it's just that her knee really hurts. And then yesterday morning we woke up and she still wasn't walking on it. And I said, look, Nick, I just need the peace of mind of taking her in and getting an x-ray. Like, I'll just take her in. I've got nothing on today. You're free enough that you can look after Goldie. I'll just take her in. So I took her in to the emergency department and the doctor was, you know, having a feel of her leg and she wasn't like jumping at all at any points. The doctor was kind of like, look, her knee is really swollen from where she's like fallen onto it. I think she's probably just got like a really big like swelling under there and that's probably stopping her from wanting to walk on it or stretch it out properly. But, look, it can be really hard. I'm just grabbing my popcorn. (laughs) Or your violin. It can be really hard to tell in kids. So I think just to be safe we should do an X-ray. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm here. It's really minimal radiation. Let's just do it and kind of just rule it out so we know that it's all good. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I did the x-ray. Poppy was so good throughout the whole thing. And then the doctor comes back out and she's like, she's got a spiral fracture of her tibia. She's going to need to be in a full leg cast for at least two weeks. And look, I thought she was going to say six weeks and I'm really hoping that it remains as two weeks. But yet my poor little three-year-old Pops has a cast from her ankle up to her hip of her right leg. She's not allowed to weight bear on it for two weeks. Obviously three-year-olds cannot use crutches, so I either have to carry her around or push her in the pram. I've said it many times before on this podcast that I am not good at indoor parenting. There's a reason we live in the area that we do and it's so that we can be outside for as much of the year as possible. So I am going to stock up today on all the drawing, all the blocks, all the things and just bracing myself for two weeks of inside. You poor thing and poor little pops. Could you put her on a swing like the one that buckles up? Like I'd hate for it to be another swing. But, you know, if it was that, just to get her out and have a little Absolutely. bit of, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm going to get her some kind of cover thing so at least we can like go outside and she can sit and it won't get like all muck underneath oh, it like or anything. Oh, like Yumi's did? Okay, can I just say I don't know what is going on in the universe but we were speaking about this the other day and – 
no one in our family has broken a bone. Like Sophie hasn't, I haven't, and I'm not saying we're in a family together, but our families haven't broken bones. And in the space of a month, my youngest daughter has broken her arm and her oldest daughter has broken her leg. I'm not sure what's happening here, but each time we haven't been parenting and we've been away, (laughs) just saying. I know, and I was laughing to myself because I'm like, not that we do this podcast to dish out advice, but like <laughs> people listen to it to get, you know, parenting tips and tricks. And here we are just like with broken children. <laughs> it's like, how about you look in your own backyard and like keep your own kids safe before you dish out advice? But also half the time I think people listen just to feel better because half of this crap is so relatable and, yeah, we absolutely suck. But, yeah, I just want to say we are bringing you an incredible episode today with the sleep teacher. And Are it, we not doing any highs this week? No, are we, we are. Doing we are, but this is getting into it. Wait for it, Soph. Sorry. She's just so quick on, on, on the money. No. On the micromanagement. Oh, yeah. Settle down. I haven't slept a wink today. I can't deal. My whole entire family was in my bed this morning from 3 a.m. Yumi was awake. Like I put her in one of those love to dream sleep suits that's actually like warm. I think it's got merino wool in it to keep her warm. They all came in. The dogs are in the bed. I cannot sleep. I knew I had to get up at six o'clock to record this. And I have literally not slept a wink. I tried to go into Billy's room, but then Yumi followed me and I can't deal with her being out of the cot screaming. So I also don't want to give no hope to the parents that are listening to newborn sleep hacks because I've got an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old, and I've got a two-year-old that are all not sleeping and are in my bed as I speak. It's called method acting. You knew you were going to talk about sleep deprivation. Oh, Poppy just woke up. Oh, good. (laughs) Oh, my God. Let me just go get Poppy one second, everyone. Sophie wanted me to pause, but I'm just continuing recording and I can hear her telling Poppy that she can't take her leg cast off. They need to have it on. And now she's trying to pop her in front of Paw Patrol while we record this little section and that she doesn't want it covered because it's a bit cold outside, like where they're sitting on the couch. (laughs) And Sophie's like, I think your leg's a little bit warm, like it's warm enough in that cast so that that one will be fine. (laughs) Anyway. Stand by, people. Oh, good conversation, Jade. This is what everyone wanted to hear. Oh, my gosh, such a little darling. The first thing she said when I went in there was like, Mummy, can you take this off? It's just too big. I may or may not have been commentating while you were out because I could hear the whole thing. Oh, I hope I didn't say anything inappropriate. No, you didn't. You're a lovely mother. Anyway, so let's just talk about some highs, shall we? Let's. Sure. You know, let's do it. Bring something positive let's to this it. platform. <laughs> yeah, go for it. You start. The high of my week is that I've got two highs actually. Oh, well done. Very coincidentally and very timely, last night my mum got here up from Melbourne. She just so happened to have a trip planned. And it also nicely coincided with that very early this morning, Nick went away for the weekend. So I feel like if she wasn't coming up, I'm not sure I would have let Nick go due to the new 
full leg cast, broken leg situation, but mum just so happened to have a trip booked. So yesterday afternoon I drove to the airport and picked her up and, yeah, never been so stoked to see her. Bless your heart, Shimmy. Uh, yes. And my other high is probably while we were away before we came down with salmonella or whatever that was, we were by the pool and the most incredible listener came up to us by the pool and she's like, I'm oh so gosh. sorry to interrupt. I totally I'm forgot here this. On a work- yeah, probably because you were a little bit pissed at the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but came I came up to me, I came up to us and said, I'm really sorry to interrupt. I'm here on work, but I just said to my boss, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I just have to go talk to those girls. And she was teary, we were teary, and we all just had a big hug and she just said, thank you so much, girls, for what you do. You're honestly saving mum's lives or at least making their lives a bit better. And it was, yeah, it was just a really incredible conversation. We love seeing you guys out in the wild. It reminds us that we're literally not just talking to one another about utter shit. So yeah, that was definitely a high of a pretty crap week. And I do remember her actually taking a photo. So we'll have to find her in our DMs and try and get that photo Oh yeah, if you're listening, send us the selfie. What was the high of your week? Okay, the high of my week is my hair right now. <laughs> look at it. It is out of control. I know no one can see it, but I look like Crusty the Clown. And my other high. Crusty with Hagrid. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, settle down, Paddle Pop Lion t shirt. I have a high, and it is when we posted about our weekend, and I asked, you know, if we were to do a fabulous, you know, meetup in yes. all areas of. Look, I was going to say Australia, but people have come from Canada. They're chipping in at all angles of the world. We're going to South Africa, apparently. <laughs> yeah, we're going to. I'm sure we'll be able Cape to get Town. exemptions. But yeah, so I think my high is just being absolutely humbled and overwhelmed by the amount of love we have received about people wanting to hang out with us drunk and not drunk, but just overall having a community where we can all have fun. And you know what? It's absolutely happening. We're going to get the ball rolling and we are going to have some action-packed fun. There are going to be games. Sophie and I talked about it on the week. No, it wasn't the weekend. We went away during the week. We spoke about what we were going to do. So yeah, we're really excited to get this in motion. And that is my hi. Yeah, the leading locations for the ladies' lunch as it stands are Gold Coast slash Northern New South Wales, Sydney, Newcastle and Melbourne. So if you're not from any of those locations and you want a ladies' lunch in your location, band together with your mama mates and send us a message because we're coming to the most requested destinations. So We're thinking spring. So if you're popping out a baby before spring, you're in luck because you'll be able to just rip in too. But we do allow pregnant women as well. Yeah, but we don't allow children. But we do. Oh, no, we do allow newborn babies. You can bring your newborn baby. But you can't bring anybody older than that. Um, And also Tasmania, there were a few trickles on that one. Get them. Shut up. We've just been talking about how you really want to go to Tasmania. (laughs) You're just looking for a tax deductible trip, Jade. (laughs) 
No, seriously, Tasmania and Cape Town and Canada. Come on, let's just bust out those barriers. Jade's starting all these fake accounts Shut of up. mums from Tasmania <laughs> just to try and get us to go. We'll be at the event. There'll be two people there and Jade will be like, wow, this is so worthwhile. How beautiful is Tasmania? Nonetheless, I'm sure it'll just be me recording and dancing on my own as usual. So it'll be fine. <laughs> all right, let's get into some segments, shall we? Absolutely. Now I'm going to start off with a rude or fabulous. We actually got sent in so many this week, so it was a bit hard to pick one, but here we go. Oh, I loved this one. I'm 39 weeks pregnant and I'm a hairdresser and one of my 77-year-old clients, Shirley, love the name Shirley, said to me, if your husband is into it, Get him to give the nipples a good suckle every day and that'll induce labour and make them stronger for feeding. My husband liked it, but not all do. Me. Thank you for the tip, Shirley. I'll give it some thought. (laughs) Okay, I think the thing that makes that is the fact that she'd said suckle and also that her name is (laughs) Shirley. Shirley the Pearl. What a ripper. But also that she admitted that her husband loved it and probably (laughs) still does love it, I hope. I hope Shirley's still getting some nipple suckle every now and again. Love you, Shirley. Fabulous, 100%. 1,000% fabulous. All right, now we're going to pick our favourite lowbrow mum hack of the week. All right. You may or may not have heard this one, but we have been laughing because a few people have sent it in and this is it. I just wanted five minutes to drink my coffee, so I sent my kid in the other room to look for a toy that's in my pocket. Follow me for more parenting hacks. And then Susan, a random person, commented underneath and said, I do that to my insignificant other. The other day he was irritating me, so I poured water in front of the washer and he looked for the leak for an hour. That is so brilliant. On the issue Susan. is my husband wouldn't. He'd look at it for two minutes and then go, I don't know what oh, it no. is. And I'd be like, fuck, now I need to mop up the water and you haven't even fixed or tried to fix the problem. I reckon you could like if I lost Harry's like special book or I lost his phone, like flicked it under somewhere, he'd look for that for a solid, you know, I'll just say, oh, you lost your phone. I don't know where it is. Oh, no, you he, don't think he'd ask you to find it oh, and then you'd be saying over and over in your head, it's not it's my, fucking, not my right. fucking problem? I would and also he would be like, babe, have you seen it, babe? And I'd be like, oh, my gosh. No, so no. Someone actually wrote in a message this week after listening to a mother's mental load episode mm. and her husband or partner was asking her where something was and she said in her head she said it's not my fucking problem but then she uncontrollably (laughs) started laughing and her partner was like what is going on why are you laughing and she's like oh sorry sorry I was just thinking of something (laughs) (laughs) and that's why they think mothers are all dead mad So we'll launch into today's episode. Enough gas bagging from us. You're sleep deprived. I'm just, I've just had enough of this week and I'm ready to start a new one. So I think we could babble on forever, but let's launch into this episode. It's with Christy, the sleep teacher. It's all about newborn sleep. We hope it helps everyone feel a little bit like the sleep or lack thereof that they're getting is normal. We don't want this episode to make anyone feel like they have to, you know, rush into any routines or sleep training or that you're doing anything wrong. This is purely out there to help people who had questions or want to know kind of what to expect. But as we always say, never have any expectations. And also 
I just wanted to make it really clear that this whole podcast and parenting realm is basically that we all have no freaking idea, except for the sleep teacher. She's got some red hot tips, so we hope you enjoy. (laughs) You and I, though, now we're fucked. (laughs) We're fucked. Enjoy. Hello, Christy, the sleep teacher. Thank you so much. Our favorite sleep teacher. Thank you for joining us. Did you know your other episode you did with us about sleep is the most listened to episode we've ever had? And it's because everyone wants to know how they can get some more sleep. So we've decided. Yeah, we've decided to focus this one in on newborns this time. Yeah. So our listeners who haven't come across you before, can you just let them know who you are and what you're about? Okay, yeah. So Christy, I'm the sleep teacher and I'm a mum myself. I've got three little girls. But basically um, I'm a sleep consultant working with children zero to five years. And I like to obviously help families achieve better sleep than what they're currently getting but also in a way that's going to suit their family and you know and I like to be realistic about it as well and you know and and set that every child is different and you know you're not necessarily going to have a baby that sleeps 12 hours just like your friend's baby and suit parenting styles as well because everyone parents different as well and I think that's you know the main thing there's no one size fits all. And I think something I really like about your approach and something that you taught us last time we spoke to you is that something's only a problem if it's a problem. So if you are happy, especially I think in the newborn stage, if you are happy with the situation your family has and the way your bub's sleeping and you love your baby sleeping on you. Don't listen to this episode. (laughs) but if you have problems listen but as in yeah this episode is to help people who do have questions about their little one's sleep but yeah if you don't feel like your little one's sleep is a problem then you don't have to you know take any of these tips on board but what I love about this as well is that every parenting strategy is different everyone has a different way with their child because they're all so different but even listening to your episode I took little bits and pieces out of that and then incorporated it into the way that I deal and so hopefully that the people listening can do the same. Yeah absolutely and like you said everyone parents different and everyone's lifestyles are different too so what just because someone does one thing that doesn't mean it's going to work for your family so you really have to just adapt and do what works for you and there's no wrong or right and that's you know I think that's the main message because sleep is becoming a very you know populated market in terms of like sleep consultants and sleep aids and things like that but And, you know, I think it puts a bit of pressure on people because they think they need to be doing what, you know, society is talking about. And it's not always the case. You need to do what works for you. And it's great to have these these services on offer. But at the same time, you, you do need to understand that your child's your child. You're not comfortable with something, then you don't have to implement it. Absolutely. So let's start off with what is quote unquote normal when it comes to <laughs> newborn sleep? I think when you're pregnant, everyone loves to tell you, oh, you're never going to sleep again, but it's hard to really know what they mean. Like what is sleep going to be like when you have a newborn? Well, you know, (laughs) as well as I know, um, (laughs) that they're not going to sleep 12 hours a night and they're going to wake. They they need a feed. They need to feed a set amount of times in a 24-hour period. So that might look like one to two hours every night they wake. They're going to have very fussy periods as well where they're, you know, there's, there's witching hour. They're, they're adapting to this new world. They've been living a certain way for nine months. So just to expect them to come out and automatically adapt to the way we live, it, it's hard. So we need to really embrace that fourth trimester, I think, and set the scene, really try to 
incorporate those things like the the loud noises, the dark room, that sort of thing that's going to mimic those sensations of the womb to try to transition them from one environment to another. So in terms of what it's going to look like, as you know, the days are long, (laughs) the nights are even longer. Um, (laughs) But the years are short, people. The years are short. So short. But yeah, like you're not going to have a predictable routine at all. And that's one thing I always stress to my clients, especially if they, you know, if they book a consult with a a five-week-old, I'm going to say, look, if you're after a routine, you're not going to get a routine now. And all you're going to get is you're going to be like, feel like you're failing yourself because you're not actually achieving anything. Realistically, a routine won't fall into place until closer to four months. Catnapping doesn't subside until closer to five months. So all those things we think like, why aren't they sleeping any longer than than forty minutes? But that that's that's what's normal. Your child's not broken. They're not. They're they're doing what the majority of other babies are doing. It just it's it's hard when you're in it though. And and what and it's nice to know, even just listening to you and your professional say that you know all of this isn't going to happen and it all takes time. So when you are having a newborn and you're trying to get them to sleep, be easy on yourself like yeah this is just how it is for you know those first few months and sometimes people have little terrors and some people don't but you know yeah. gosh I think that often you hear those stories of oh my child slept through from six weeks and I think maybe keeping in the back of your mind that that is the exception yeah. not the rule not the so rule. if you had that once don't expect it the next time if your best friend has that it doesn't mean as you said that your baby's broken and their baby's an angel like anything yeah. can change at any moment <laughs> yeah exactly and you know I'm sure if you go around and ask a handful of women There might be, you know, the occasional one, but like you said, that's the exception, not the rule. So one thing I will say is I, I guess, used it to my advantage better the second time than I did the first time. But if your child on their first night has a hibernation sleep, go to sleep. I think that was the last eight hour stretch of sleep I I got in months and months and months and months and months. When I had Poppy, I just stared at her and couldn't believe I'd, you know, created a human. But with Goldie, I was like, go to sleep. Yeah, I know. I think that's, I think too. And that's definitely, as as you know, having children, you do, you wait up and you think, oh, I'll just wait and feed them. But yeah, go to sleep, get that sleep because you can't predict their sleep is so unpredictable. And you know, even when you've got an eight-month-old, it's unpredictable. Like a newborn is really unpredictable. So you might even a two-year-old's unpredictable. <laughs> I can't keep up anymore in my household. We're all oh, switching beds now. Do you have any tips on dealing with sleep deprivation for the parent? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I think if you can ask for help. Like one thing, I you know, I, I think we all—that's the hardest thing. We it's it's hard to ask for help. We all try to you know put our game face on and act like we're killing it, but it's. It's hard. And I think the best thing you can do, if someone comes over to, to visit, in all honesty, as you know, they're there to see the baby. They mm. want to cuddle the baby. They don't really care. <laughs> they want to see that baby. They want to cuddle it. So let them cuddle it. Go and have a nap. Take advantage of that. If someone asks what they could, you know, buy the baby, ask if they can cook you a meal or something. You know, I think you've really got to ask for, for those things and you can. Don't stay up at night, like you said, waiting for the baby to wake, scrolling through your phone. Go to sleep. When you're feeding as well, I recommend not getting on your phone. I know that's the, like it's something that definitely keeps you awake. You need to try to stay awake. Your eyes are so heavy in those midnight feeds. But if you're looking on your phone and then you go back to bed, you've had that exposure to, you know, that bright light that's going to be blocking the production of melatonin and the sleep hormone. So then we struggle to go back to sleep. Mm. So, yeah, I think in those instances you're going to look, 
there's no sugarcoating. You will be sleep deprived, as you both know, having kids. But there are things, you know, you can do to avoid it, like, you know, asking for help and, and getting that sleep where you can. And, yeah, really looking after yourself and practicing healthy sleep habits yourself. So. I'm just tired thinking about it. I know. And I think it. that, I, I mean, I found with both my girls that once they did fall into a bit of like a bit more predictable rhythm, that first stretch of sleep at night was often the longest. And then they would get fussy after like two o'clock. So yeah. the thing that saved me was if I was like, okay, if they're going down at 7.30, I'm just going to bed. And sure, it means, you know, if you have a partner at home, it means probably less quality time with them at that point. Yeah. But I was it's just like I need to know that I can sleep from like maybe 7.30 till 12 or even 7.30 till 11.30 and I've had at least one stint and then yeah. if they get fussy after that, at least I've had a few hours before they get fussy. Yeah. Mm. One thing that worked really well for us with our girls was we sort of almost like did a little bit of a shift work thing where, you know, I, once I'd done the bedtime bottle or, or breastfeed at, you know, 6.30, 7 o'clock, I would put the girls to bed and then... I would go to sleep myself, mm. which would stay up because he wasn't ready to go to bed at that time because he wasn't doing the night feed. So he was still trying to stay on his normal schedule to get up to go to work in the morning. So he'd go to bed at, say, 9, 30, 10. So if I went to bed knowing that if the baby woke during that time, Mitch was there to attend to her and, you know, if, if he needed me, he would come and get me. And I also did an expressed bottle at that time too. So if she was due for a feed, so he'd do the one, you know, around 10 o'clock if she woke. But then I wasn't getting, then getting woken up till say 1, 2 a.m. So I'd had a really good stretch of sleep yeah. and it made me feel a lot better. But, um, yeah, that, so there's, there are things. And, and, again, everyone's family life's different, but mm. I think you've just got to sort of sit down and go, okay, how can we make this work? And I found that doing a similar situation when my husband came home and I would literally probably go to sleep at 7.30 once I got everyone organised and I also did the express bottle as well, I couldn't sleep because I would listen out to any noise. So yeah. I actually put on some white noise next to my own head so I could literally just tune out and not listen to the baby yeah. because as soon as I heard her cry, I'd be like, oh, gosh, they're going to ask for me. Oh, I've got to do this. Yeah. And by the time you do that, you're never going to fall asleep. So it's quite nice to have that calm app or anything to Yeah, I know. I love that, that too. Noise. And it would help me fall asleep because I'd do like one of the breathing exercises and I'd mm. be out like a lot in a deep phase of sleep rather than just sort of tossing and turning, waiting for that little. Eh, 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 little yeah, I actually <laughs> found those apps really helpful as well for going back to sleep during the night because yeah. when I had Poppy, I used to, and I know we actually differ with this, when I had Poppy, I used to feed her in the middle of the night in bed, but I yeah. found that I would often fall asleep and the next day I would actually feel more groggy. Yeah. So with Goldie, I made a real effort that I would just find a TV show that I really loved. Like I'd never watched Seinfeld before in my life, <laughs> but when I had Goldie I got through like I don't even know how many seasons yeah. there are but every episode of every season and so I would always look forward to waking up because yeah. I, I was doing something really fun when I woke up but because I'd watch tv then when I got into bed I would listen yeah. to like one of those calm meditations yes. at, like about going back to sleep and I found that really helpful yeah yeah and I think that's where you were saying trying to fall back asleep it's really hard but we have that's what I was saying about looking on your phone you have to you try to do something to stay awake but then you have to think too when you're going back to sleep. So those sort of things like those apps can be really helpful in terms of getting you back to sleep. Now, do you recommend dummies or any other comforters for newborns? So I definitely wouldn't put a comforter in the bed with a baby at this age, but what you can do is, you know, maybe 
you know, closer to like four, six weeks. And I think you can start introducing it as part of your wind down routine. So just bringing it out always like, you know, having it close by while you're feeding and things like that. So you're starting to associate it with bedtime and winding down. But yeah, in terms of safe sleep, we can't have that in their bed as yet. And dummies, look, dummies are great. It's not something I would actively go and try and force onto a baby, but if they're showing like those fussy signs and they want to constantly suck, they can be a really great tool. What I always recommend too with my clients is always start with less and add more in. So don't just use it as you go to all the time. Use more hands-on, use some padding, use some side settling. If they're a bit fussy in the clot, you can try a little bit of like side padding because the the back can be actually quite a stimulating position for them they, they find that quite irritating but if you roll them on their side it's nice and the same with if you're holding them you might find just slightly rolling them over and holding them a bit more like a football type thing so their belly's laying down on your forearm that can be a lot more calming than them on their back but and what what are some signs of them needing or you deciding that they should have a dummy I think like in terms of trying to use it while you're settling like I would you know try those things I've just mentioned first your white noise in that too if the what you could turn your white noise up a little bit like still have it in that safe zone of around 50 decibels but you know you'd try to gradually add more in and then use that dummy you know as not like not your first go-to you'd try the the padding first a bit of shushing Mm. the white noise and if that doesn't start working um, and the cuddles aren't working then you'd add in the dummy but you know we're talking newborns too so I'm not saying like let them scream for five minutes and if they aren't calming down then offer the dummy like we don't want them to be like in that in that state at all I'm just talking if you know if they're and they're grunting a little bit and fussing, seeing a little bit more fussy, gradually add a couple more things. But just remember, it doesn't have to be you go to all the time. And again, dummies, that sucking sensation is really calming. It does help to turn on that calming reflex. But, you know, closer to four months, it can start to become a little bit more of a sleep association as such because when they're falling asleep with it, they'll wake after one sleep cycle looking for it again. So that's where you might find it becomes a bit of an issue. But, you know, in terms of a newborn, it's can be really handy to have. I found it really handy, especially the second time around during witching hour, just because there wasn't the two of us then available to constantly be handing her back and And forth. But then, yeah, but then at about four months, I did find that overnight so often she was waking up just for the dummy not to feed. And I just felt like a dummy bitch so often. So we just got rid of it and she was fine within like a day. But definitely in those early stages, I found it handy, especially having two kids, just another thing to go to other than my boob. Well, that's it. You can't have them hanging off your nipple all day. So when you've just got to pop something in it's great and some kids really really like it and some don't like Mia did not want a bar of the dummy and as much as I tried I was like surely I did apparently you will you will and she didn't and then as soon as I actually stopped trying she went to sleep (laughs) she's like can you get this thing out of my face whereas Billy loved it and she was way better with it so you sometimes have to like in the same sort of respect you have to sometimes try a few different ones like they might have to one teeth there's so many varieties so they always like the really ugly one that I had all these beautiful aesthetically (laughs) pleasing colored ones and she loved Liked the one that was really ugly the just from the supermarket. Like surely, you know, surely you can make these in some nicer colours now. Absolutely. <laughs> Going past the bright blue and bright pink. Well, I think my one was like glow in the dark. I think it was oh. to try and help you find it in the night. Yes. It was just hideous. So we know you're a fan of white noise. When should yeah. you introduce that? So I guess this comes back to what I was saying before, like trying to make that fourth trimester transition a little bit more seamless. Well, easier transition for the baby, but also a bit more seamless for you. But 
I think, from day one because they've been inside that womb. It's around um, 90 decibels in there, which is around that level of a lawnmower. So you hear that blood rushing wow. through the placenta. It's so loud. So like that, like that blood rushing through the placenta. How's it go? Yeah. <laughs> it's my sinus speaking. I can't help it. Yeah. So that white noise is going to be your best friend, honestly. And when they're, if, if you've got a colicky baby, shut those curtains, turn off the TV, make a really calm environment for you and your baby, pump up that white noise and just try to settle them and get them nice and calm because that's the environment they've, they've been living in for nine months. So if we try to really mimic that, it will it'll help. So white noise for naps and day sleep, like if they're napping on you or whatever, that's fine. But anything you're attempting in their bed, I would definitely have it. And then overnight as well, have it playing continually because the same as the older babies, they're falling asleep hearing that sound. We want it to be on continually. So when they do have partial wake-ups, they're going to hear that same sound that they'd heard when they fell asleep. And usually with newborns as well, they're in your room with mum and dad. Dad might snore or alarms might go off in the morning and, you know, you've got that tossing and turning by mum and dad as well. So it just helps to act as a buffer. I also found it really helpful because it meant I wasn't constantly telling Poppy, who was a toddler when Goldie oh. was born, that she needed to be quiet. Mm. Like it yeah. wasn't like a new baby's come into the house and now she literally has to play in silence. I know, it just but- meant that I knew that she couldn't hear her. And isn't it so funny though, because like I remember having my girls and like, you know, you think about the maternity hospital, Mitch would bring them in and I'm like, shh sleeping like you've got to be quiet and everyone whispers but the baby is used they sleep so much better in noise so much you go out and you're like oh my gosh this baby's been asleep for hours I haven't woken and we've been like you know pretty much near a freight train but yes you're at home and it's silence and they won't sleep and it's because it's quite irritating because they've been in that environment for so long and I feel like if they're like even when you're they're in your room and they can sort of hear like if you've got other children you can hear them running around like she sleeps better when Billy's screaming down the hallway because she's so used to it whereas when they're at school she's like what is happening yeah I know and and yeah so it's going to be best friend and it's not something that they, they're going to become, you know, reliant on, you can have it, you cannot have it. It also makes it really easy, I think, to reproduce, you know, like Goldie when she was younger was a really good napper out and about. And I think one of the reasons was white noise is so easy to reproduce out in public. So if we were just anywhere where we could switch mm. it on, she was just like, oh, that's yeah. so good. Because, that's the yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> and you can get those little mobile units as well. Well, yeah. actually, I've always used one. I've used Sleepy Sounds app on my phone. And people have said, oh, aren't you worried about Wi-Fi and stuff? But we've got an old iPad that's in her room and we just have it completely like on flight mode. But it just means if we're out and about, like I've got the app on my phone, Mm. Nick's got the app on his phone. If my parents or anyone else is ever looking after them, it's so easy to, you know, and you can charge your phone easily if it's going to run out. So I found that so easy to reproduce. Yeah, no, I think so too. And like it's, it's sort of establishing a really healthy sleep habit from day one because your little one will start to associate that sound with sleep you'll they'll hear it because usually and they have it when in their room or when you know when you're out and about and having a nap but they hear it and it's like <laughs> they're like a little you know like they're getting a fix their little eyes roll back yeah they're like, oh. like a drug to them <laughs> yeah a little junkie <laughs> What are your thoughts on swaddling versus swaddle sleep suits? I'm very interested to know. Definitely, if we're thinking, talking newborns today, hands down swaddle. Yes, I love swaddling, you know, whether it's a muslin or like a nice big 
like jersey swaddle. I think you can really sort of nail the, the arms down swaddle with those rather than the suits that still have a little bit of movement in them. Mm. So even like the slightest little bit of movement because their startle re- reflex or moro reflex is still so strong that that little bit is enough to sort of fully wake them up. So I do recommend from day one, the arms down closer to maybe four to six weeks, you might start to go to more something like the ergo or something that's still got a little bit of restriction, but a little bit more like closer to their chest. Then you might move to more like a love to dream where they're still confined and restricted, but their arms are up a little bit. And that's just a nice sort of progression from completely arms down to, you know, arms across the chest to arms up. And then you could go to one arm out. But yeah, like in terms of that first four weeks, I would do an arms down swaddle. And also, I mean, you're the sleep teacher, so I'm not going to go on and just say, no, you're wrong. But with Yumi, I found that when I tucked her arm, still swaddled her like really tight, but she wanted hers up. So I sort of tucked, you know, that tuck where you put it over their arms. Yeah, the fold up upwards. And so she could soothe using her hands. Uh, And then it was a really nice transition into the love to dream because she was still Mm. sitting up sucking on her hands. That day that they can comfortably without reflex start sleeping in some kind of suit is just the best because you just zip it up and you're good to go whereas Goldie's uh, I don't know if it was her arms were so strong I had to wrap her in two swaddles every time and any that have any kind of stretch on them she would be out of it yeah like so quickly and I I swear I was a good wrapper and she could get out of every one so I would wrap her and then wrap another one just yeah, around I her did a double swaddle to keep too. her in they've got really good ones now like the there's a brand called swaddle me like and it's all one word they're like the same but it, it's a, it's like a velcro sort of so it's just like three velcro straps and it's like a pouch around their feet so it's nice and um loose around the hip region because we really want that but it's just like a velcro like boom 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 and it's just it keeps them like little baby burritos yeah they're so good so you don't have to mess around with the the swaddling but um how good of midwives when you give birth and they just come in and they just (laughs) literally just do them up so tight and then they go out the door and then the baby does a shit and you're like i really don't want to undo this really good swaddle (laughs) Now, when we have a newborn, each time they wake up, should we be offering them a feed or should we be trying to settle them? And if so, what are your tips on settling a newborn? So again, like this really is going to vary from child to child because some babies are, you know, they might have jaundice or they might have low birth weight and weight gain. So they might be under, you know, doctor's orders to sort of feed more frequently. But I think just maybe trying to go into it with a bit of, okay, well, you know, it's it's only been an hour since your feed. Maybe I'm just going to try and see if, you know, if you need a nappy change or if you just need to go back to sleep, I'll try and give you a rock. Obviously, if they're looking for it and you can tell they're hungry and it's not just that they want to suck on a dummy, then obviously feed them. But I think just, you know, just really like looking at it first rather than just going oh they're awake they need to feed because that might that's probably not the case because the thing is if if they're just having little snack feeds here and there little snack feeds aren't going to encourage good sleep so we need if you know if you want to look at sleep you need to look at a feed as well so like a little 10 second snack on the breast you can't then just go and put them down and expect them to have a good sleep so we need to try to sort of stretch them out but you know also within a realistic sort of 
time frame, I guess. Yeah, it seems so harsh. I remember with Goldie, she would fall asleep overnight after only having like half of one side and I'd know if she went back to sleep. I'd be like, oh, you're going to be back awake in 40 minutes. I had to like strip her off, change her nappy every time. Sometimes even put something cool on her just to keep her awake and it feels so counterintuitive. She just doesn't have with um. Get a spray gun. Yeah. (laughs) I know. And yeah, so like that's another thing to consider too. Like when you're doing those night feeds, if you do have a baby that, you know, naturally falls asleep quite easily, don't change their nappies before you feed them. Change it halfway through like, and then offer the second side or the the second half of the bottle. Don't, you know. And it can be so frustrating because it's often those little babies that really require the full feed, but they get so tired and fall asleep. All of mine were prem and it was just like, it was the worst. (laughs) Like, you know, full two hour feeds all the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I felt like by the time they'd actually taken what I felt was a decent feed, it was time to feed them again. But I guess that sort of brings me to something else. Like with the feeding too and newborn sleep, they they can, as we're just discussing, like they fall asleep. It's tiring work for them and that sucking again is so soothing. So they often do just fall asleep on the breast or the bottle and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But just be mindful, even just a five to ten minute snooze on the breast or bottle then means that, like that's that's asleep, so you can't then expect to go and put them down. Um, like oh. you need to adjust their awake windows. So if they have that quick little snooze, then you know they might then wake, and you think, oh, um, no, they're all right, they're ready for bed. This has been nearly an hour, and you go to put them down, but they're fully awake because they've had that little power nap. It, it's it's essentially a power nap. So you know if they're on a forty-five minute awake window and they've just had a feed, uh, ten minutes sleep, you need to adjust it. So they're going to probably not be ready for bed again for another forty minutes, even though it's only a ten minute sleep. It's enough to put out their awake windows. So that's where I think a lot of people can you know become quite frustrated because they don't take that into consideration so what you mean is if they're falling asleep on the boob that's fine but kind of as soon as they're asleep pop them down rather than letting them sit there for 10 or so yeah. minutes yeah and really pay attention to that sucking too if it's that like little flutter like, <laughs> yeah then a little non-nutritive dummy style sort of suck and they're not sort of swallowing then that's a good indication they're probably asleep and just sucking like a dummy so not actually taking any calories oh, so this is making off, me but, miss breastfeeding oh uh, i know no. and i guess it does lead into um someone wrote in saying i'm always feeding my newborn to sleep should I be freaking out that I'm developing a bad habit should they be freaking out um I don't think like if it's working for you then and you know and 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 you feel that you can sustain that then absolutely but we're obviously here talking about newborns today so in this instance a newborn's all of these associations aren't too entrenched. You know, it's super easy to get them used to other things so why not just you know today or tomorrow give it a try of when they do wake offer a feed when they wake rather than just before they go to sleep and just attempt to give them a sleep another way and get them used to falling asleep without a feed because um like i said those associations won't be too entrenched as yet so and i think that's so good to say like if you're having a baby that does fall asleep on you or you're you are feeding to sleep like if you have the time to soak up those newborn days mm, do it because yeah. you're not doing anything that's like irreversible or yeah. You know, like it goes so fast. Um, So fast. And that's the thing, like, I think when, you know, if it is your first as well and you don't have a toddler to chase after and you can do that and you can enjoy those contact naps and it's working for you, absolutely. Like my first, I breastfed, no, actually, sorry, mixed fed, but fed to sleep until she was 10 months. And 
I didn't realize that that's why she was waking overnight. But um, mm. once I realized it, but I was, it was manageable because I was at home. I wasn't going to work. I didn't have any other children to attend to. So I just dealt with it. But, you know, second and third child, they didn't have a choice. They had to, <laughs> they had to be put down and go to sleep because I had other kids to Mum and making their own lunches by yeah. six <laughs> <laughs> Now, do you have any tips for getting newborns to sleep during the day? And does the baby have to be in a bassinet or cot? Uh, so there's currently no like Australian safety standards for bassinet. So it is, you know, one, at the end of the day, it's one of those things that you just have to choose something that you feel is going to be safe. I think looking at keeping all the bedding, like nice firm mattress and that just the one, just the fitted sheet, that's always sort of exactly the same as a cot. But I think too, like if you've got the space, I would just go straight to a cot because you're essentially only using a bassinet for a short amount of time and then you've got to store it. So unless you wanted to um, and you've got the means to get one, I would just go straight to a cot. Uh, Newborn sleep in the day, again, definitely have that white noise because they sleep so much better with, with all those background noises going on. Swaddling, again, super important. It's all coming back to mimicking those sensations of that womb. If you need to offer a dummy, offer a dummy. Super, super important is to watch those awake windows. You need to watch those. So if we're talking like zero to maybe four, five, six weeks, might be anywhere to 45 to 60 minutes awake, six to 12 weeks would be 60 to 90 minutes. So closer to 12 weeks, I'd be around 90 minutes awake. But if your baby's under six weeks, they're going to be around 45 to 60 minutes awake time. And that's like, so they wake from their nap, whether it be 15 minute nap, they're awake, they're going to have a nappy change, a feed potentially a little bit of like say tummy time just laying on your chest or on a, on a mat you're just going to talk to them and it's literally 45 to 60 minutes and then they're asleep again by the end of that 45 to 60 minutes that doesn't mean you know at 45 60 minutes let's go oh okay you're looking tired now let's go in the room and start getting you ready for bed like you sort of aim to have them asleep again right by the end of that awake time that's probably the most important thing because once your baby becomes overtired it's, it's really hard so watching those weight windows and you're going to get better naps too and better overnight sleep if they're not overtired. But is it fine to have them napping out and about like in a pram or in a carrier in the car? Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, they actually probably nap better when they're out and about too. So I just say, look, don't put pressure on yourself to feel you've got to be home. There's nothing worse than being a prisoner in your own home. You need to get out and about. Super important for your mental health as well. And at this, you know, this period where we're really vulnerable. So it's important to look after yourself you're looking after a baby you need to look after yourself as well so get out and about have those naps on the go if you can be home for one nap a day in their bed amazing that's a bonus anything after that is is great and also that's a chance for you to put your feet up and maybe have a sleep oh, yourself exactly yeah yeah but they adapt with what you want to do in life and I found yeah. with each child that I had that you know with Mia I would rock her and be hunched over and have the worst back pain because that's how I got her to sleep and then with Billy I'd have this other routine where I was like going in and out in and out and by the third I was like you know what if I just put them down or I hold them without swaying because that's easier on my back she's not going to think of anything different. Yeah. So when I stopped doing all these additional things, it became easier on me and she wasn't knowing any other way Mm. of being settled and she was my easier sleeper in the way because I didn't have to go, oh, let me just rock you for five minutes and then after that I'm going to pop. 17 verses of Twinkle, (laughs) Twinkle, 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 Little Star. And then pat you for 15 minutes. And I guess that's what you said before about like start with minimal and then work up from there because I guess it's so easy if you start like with the dummy, the white noise, the comfort, da, 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 oh, totally. everything. What have you 
bigger <laughs> left. Well, you also don't know which part is making where to the go. biggest difference. Yeah. And yeah, I, I agree. That's what I was saying before about the feeding to sleep. Like these babies, these newborns, those associations aren't that entrenched yet. So your baby, if you've only been feeding to sleep, yes, that's probably all they know, but it's not too hard at this age to teach them new things. So utilize that and you know really leverage off it and, and get in there and give give it a go tomorrow or today and, and just try something else remember at this age too five to ten minutes that's all we try we don't need to go any longer than that if they're getting fussy pick them up and do what you normally do and put them to sleep speaking of rocking what are your thoughts on the snow yeah sophie and i haven't been around they didn't come Wait, out of us no, me either it probably would have been out when I had Goldie, but I feel like I already had a bassinet that I really loved, so I didn't yeah. really look into it. But what do you think? I get asked this a lot, and look, I'm the same as you. I've never, I never had it with my children. I feel jealous, like I missed yeah. out. But you also got by. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Not I know, something like we've like... parented for a long time before this, but I think okay, again, back to it is just a bassinet. So I think a normal bassinet. It's still something you've got, you've got to invest in for a short yeah. period of time. This is a lot of money for a short period mm. of time. And I think it can be great if you're mindful of the weaning mode. And this is where it can, because you know when it's one of those things like if something ain't broke, you're not going to fix it. So people yes. people find like, oh, my God, my baby's sleeping really well. And they're like in this thing on a million miles an hour being like rocked back and forth, but they don't bring themselves to wean off it because it's it's hard. Like you've got a good thing going on. You're not going to break up with it. So when they're five, you can't really strap them down, <laughs> yeah. can you? <laughs> It's kind of like when you're transitioning out of the sleep suits and you're getting the arms in and oh, you're like, oh, one I'll, one. I'll take the arm out tomorrow night yeah, like, yeah. because they're doing such a good job. It, I, it's just hard to take that leap. I know. Well, that was like me, my kids in their capsule. I couldn't break up with the capsule. I needed it because I was like, I loved it. I'd fall asleep and I could bring them in out. Like by the end, their legs were hanging out. <laughs> like you will fit in this. They're like, mum, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, the snoo, that would be the only thing if you are using a please please just be mindful of that weaning mode and and get in there while they're young and start weaning because I've had clients come to me in their child seven months and they're like whoa I've got to get out of this snoo and it's actually normally I'd work with clients for like two maybe three weeks these clients like I have to work with them for like six weeks it's a long it's a it's a big adjustment so yeah and I think it'd be great like in terms of again if you've got extra children it's that extra set of hands if they're fussy and you can't be there bouncing them and rocking them that might just you know help but Again, a lot of money for a short amount of time. Mm. I mean, it's like saying also I'll get a nanny as well and then I'll get a cleaner and then yeah. I'll get this and then, well, I'll be set after that. Yeah. Do you have any tips for bubs that just catnap? I had a catnapper. She did yeah, my same. head in. But oh. once again, it's like, well, that's who you are. Yeah, I know. And, and that's the thing too. Like with newborns, it, it's developmentally normal, neurologically normal. There's not... And it's so frustrating and I know that, that, you know, me telling you it's normal doesn't soften the blow because it's frustrating and it's tiring. But I think if you just sometimes accept that that's normal rather than sit there and try and fix something that's probably mm. not going to be fixable at this age, it makes it a little bit easier. So if your baby naps better in the, in the carrier and you find that they reset a little bit easier, strap them on, have that in there if it means you're going to get something done. So um, but- do you mean like... It- put them, say, for example, they've been in their bassinet, they've woken up after 25 minutes, then yeah. as a resettling tactic, you could put them in the carrier and yeah. try and resettle them again. So like in, for instance, in my newborn course, I do recommend that if you're attempting that nap at the home in the cot and, and you want to try and resettle, they've woken up to 25 minutes and you want to mm. go and resettle, 
try for 10 minutes at the most. After 10 minutes, if they're not asleep, pick them up and try and settle them that way. Just try that for five or 10 minutes. If they're asleep, they can finish the nap on you. Or you want to get them up and you want to take them for a walk in the pram or the carrier. Finish the nap there. That's fine. So don't fall back asleep. Don't spend an hour trying to resettle them at this age at all because they're going to A, become overtired. You're going to get frustrated and it's not going to set yourself up for a good day. So just, I think just, you know, have those realistic expectations and don't put pressure on yourself. Someone, a few people actually wrote in asking for tips on newborns that are early risers, but I guess they're rising so frequently that, oh, like, which time yeah. are we talking yeah, about? Yeah. Onwards or? And that, so that's the thing, like, I think Sophie said earlier on, like, Poppy or Goldie would sleep so good. And then from like 2 a.m., they would be mm. awake. So from around 2, 3 a.m., they're in what's called active phase of sleep. So that's fabulous. Why, yeah, that's awesome time. Like, what why, a great couldn't they, why couldn't they do it at, you know, 2, 2 p.m.? But yeah, like that's where you'll hear all those grunting noises constantly. And you're laying there thinking, oh, God, they're, going, they're waking up, they're waking up. Oh, God, they're going to have a feed. And it goes on. It goes on mm. for like an hour or so before mm. they actually physically wake. And that's there in that active phase of sleep, that REM sleep, where you know, if you watch a baby do it, they sound like they're awake. They even look like they're awake, but give them a minute, just give them one minute before you actually rush over and start intervening. They could potentially cry. They could just grunt. They can, you know, just be moving, but that active phase of sleep can last for around that minute. Give them a minute. If after a minute, they're still doing it, then go and intervene, but just give them 60 seconds to see if they actually transition back to sleep. Because I can tell you now, you you watch and they will. They'll go back to sleep more often than not. Obviously, if it's been, you know, if you're doing three-hour feeds and it's been three hours, then they they probably are willing yeah. for their feed. But if it's been an hour since your feed, don't just rush over, get them. And, and Because more t- often than not, what we do is we actually rouse them from their, their deep phase of sleep. So. And what is the worst thing that can possibly happen if you leave your child to cry? Asking um, for a friend. <laughs> For a friend who's got a nine-year-old and eight-year-old or? <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I, I just feel like we run, especially as a first-time parent myself, yeah. the moment I would hear exactly what you're saying, Mia, make a move, I'd be in there going, yeah. shh, oh, oh yeah. you know, and then when you leave them for a longer period, they learn how to self-settle yeah. and then you know the cues on how to interrupt or intervene when you really need to. Well, I remember when I started Christy's course, with Goldie when she was about four months old and you know you get worried you're like oh my god we're about to start sleep training literally the amount of time that she was meant to stay like self-settling I was like oh she lies there for longer when I'm wiping Poppy's bum she yeah like it's I was literally like that is not a long time it's funny because when you you know you're you're sort of in front of them and they're in their bassinet you're like oh, no, it's too long, but you, they've they've cried coming home in the backseat you of the car because yeah. they're hungry or, you know, in their due for their feed. But it's just when we're put in that position, we feel like it's, you know, a hell of a lot worse. But at this age, just like I said, just give them sort of 60 seconds just to see if they go back to sleep. If they don't, again, start with less. Don't just go straight over, pick them up and whack them on the boob. Go and just put a hand on them. Shh you know, really do that shushing and a little, little yeah, jiggle with nice. your hand. Don't just go straight over and just assume they need to be picked up. And, yeah, She's covering my face and <laughs> yeah. patting my head right now. And Jade's asleep. Yeah. I feel like I need you to come and put me to sleep right now. If only newborns were as easy to sleep as you, Jade. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so just start with less and, and add more in. But look, I think 
in terms of that active phase of sleep, just give it 60 seconds and they can cry, they can grunt and they can move around, but just give them 60 seconds. And if at the end of that 60 seconds, they need you, go and intervene. If your baby is like a noisy grunter baby, are they still getting restful sleep? Mm. Uh, so I guess, you know, depending on how frequent we're talking with the, with yeah. the grunting, but it, it's definitely more prevalent in those early hours of the morning, unfortunately, but they will do it probably like in, when they're getting in their lighter phase of sleep. So they'll do it as they're waking up. And that's where we can hear it too, like for a good, you know, we'll go, oh, like it's only been two hours. They usually, you know, they wouldn't wake for another hour or so, but they'll start to do it like sort of in the lead up to waking up. So we hear it for a lot longer before they're actually fully awake. But And then like clockwork at 6am, they fall yes. back into a deep, deep sleep right as the sun's come up and oh. you're ready to get up to start the day. Always away. Have a coffee and enjoy your time alone. <laughs> yes. And I think that, well, that was the early rising question too. Like, I guess looking at all those factors that sort of encourage us to wake at that time of the morning and really trying to treat it more like a night wake. And if you can, trying to sort of keep them in that nice dark, dark environment and um, not exposing them to too much light until, you know, closer to 6am. So, yeah. yeah. But then again, like, you're not going to find any more predictability until closer to sort of 12, 14 weeks. So do what you've got to do. But if you can get them back to sleep, perfect. Now, a lot of mothers and fathers are professional or end up being professionals at the commando rollout. How do we transfer our babies from a bassinet, from yourself or from a car to bed? Do you have tips on transferring children? Yeah. Okay. So, if your baby's fallen asleep in your arms and you want to put them down, is that what you're saying? Like in their bassinet or Two important things. Obviously, we'll first make sure you've got that, you know, sleep environment nailed with the, the white noise and it's nice and dark. But don't just go in and put them down on their back. Feet first and onto the side. Mm, wow. The back, again, is quite startling. Head going, you know, putting, you know, you imagine yeah, yourself, if you're being carried, you're going back like that. <laughs> you, it's like you're That's falling. So true. It's like you're falling. Out. But we naturally sort of go in and go like that. So if we put them in feet first and then gradually and sort of gently roll them onto their side and we can place one hand sort of on their hip region and one sort of on their shoulder and just that, shh, just that nice little pat and roll them over. It's a little bit more seamless rather than like so I'm always concentrating so hard that I inevitably whack them on the side of the cot yes. on the way in and I'm just like fuck you were trying yeah. so hard that you like forgot how to move <laughs> oh I know yeah so yeah that would be like rather than that feeling of falling just you know feet first and onto the side is better Good tip. And I've always wondered, with babies getting used to capsules, do they become more difficult to transfer than a child that's used to being transferred from like a car seat inside or into the pram? I think, um, do you mean like if they're falling asleep and you want to bring them inside? Well, because you know how the beauty of a capsule is that, you know, if they fall asleep in the car, you yeah. can then click them into the pram or you can bring them inside or whatever. I just wondered if if you knew if that was like ever doing a disservice because they don't get used to transferring as well. Uh, well, again, I, I think you can only use the capsule for so long unless you're me and you try to force yourself <laughs> until they're a toddler. But, yeah, I, I guess, you know, again it's all newborn sleep so at this age realistically they're they're only going to be having an awake time of like an hour at most sort of thing anyway so by the time they've woken it's sort of going to be time to go back to sleep again so 
try and just time those outings around like, well, if they've only been asleep in the car for five or 10 minutes, I'd probably just, you know, sit there and enjoy an extra five to 10 minutes in silence while they're asleep in the car before getting them up and trying to attempt the transfer. But I don't know, it's all trial and error. They're all so different. So if they've been asleep for 30, 40 minutes, the chances are of you getting them up, they're probably going to wake. So should you wake your baby overnight to feed? Again, it really depends on the child and, you know, doctor's instructions. If you've been told that you need to wake them and feed them every three hours, then you need to do that. But otherwise, I'm sort of okay, like in terms of my clients, I don't mind that they wait for them to feed. But in terms of day feeds, I do recommend you do wake in your child. If you're trying to feed every three hours of day, which is sort of what I'd recommend for a newborn, then If they woke at seven, had a feed, and they went back to sleep at eight and they were still asleep at 10, I would recommend getting them up because if we let them sleep till 10, 30, 11, they've essentially missed that three-hour feed and now it's been nearly three and a half, four hours. So if that pattern continually happens throughout the day, they essentially miss one of their feeds from the day and they need a set amount of calories in Mm. a 24-hour period, so they'll make up for that feed overnight. So I do recommend waking your baby in the day for feeds overnight, like unless, yeah, I think you need to go follow what your doctor or pediatrician recommends. But if um, no one said anything and they're sleeping at yeah, and, well, just being gonna, a little trooper and sleeping for yeah. seven hours straight, you just let them go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think unless weight gain is an issue as well and jaundice. Um, but, no, I've never woke my babies. I definitely wasn't setting an alarm to wake my baby. <laughs> <laughs> Should you change your bub every time you feed overnight? So again, newborns, um, I think, (laughs) yeah, I think it's one of those things that you probably are going to be changing their nappy to keep them comfortable, but do it in between the feed because it's Mm. going to help if if you've got a really sleepy baby, which at this age they are too, because they've got such high levels of maternal melatonin left over from you. They don't have their own own sleep hormones at this age. So it's pretty fascinating. They don't start to produce them till around just after 12 weeks, which is, you know, that four month regression we all talk about. Um, Yeah. So at the moment they're still got mum's sleep hormones left over. Wow. Why don't we touch on the four month sleep regression at this stage, because I feel like I learned that from when we spoke last time and I've spoken to a lot of people about the reason behind the four-month sleep regression and people don't know why it happens or if it's yeah. temporary mm. or permanent. So can you talk to that regression a little bit? Yeah, so basically what happens is that maternal melatonin that they've got of mums, that sleep hormone, melatonin is a sleep hormone, when they're born, they that's why they're so sleepy. They have high levels of that. Closer to 12 weeks, they start to become a little bit more alert. Those awake windows extend again, remember, to around 90 minutes we start to notice that they're waking more frequently these sleep cycles become really apparent that's when their maternal melatonin is wearing off they're starting to produce their own sleep hormones and all those sleep cycles emerge so overnight sleep cycles go from previously they could have been four to six hourly overnight now they're more like two hourly overnight and in 40 minutes of a day so all of a sudden these 40 minute catnaps are really really apparent and you're like, what the hell? My baby was sleeping like an eight hour stretch overnight, having a feed going back for another four or five hours. Now they're like 10 p.m., 12 a.m., like they're constantly waking every two hours. What's going on? This is essentially the four month regression where their sleep is now considered mature. So their sleep is, is no longer that of a, of a newborn. They have their own sleep cycles and own sleep hormones. So yeah, that's what the four month regression is, and it's brutal. But um, so brutal. It's, it doesn't it's, sound it's here to, to stay. Me it's here to stay. Say, if it was mature, yeah, so, they so, flip through. So when you say it's here to stay, like what does that mean? Because I think um, a lot of people just like kind of wait yeah. for it to 
go away, but that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. So the sleep cycles aren't going to go away, but you can teach your child to consolidate those sleep cycles and resettle through them. So for instance, to give you an example, again, back to, uh, I think you're saying Poppy had that dummy and you were, or Goldie maybe, and you're going in doing that dummy run constantly. So that's the same. So if you can imagine if your baby had that dummy or they were fed to sleep or rocked to sleep and then put down in that cot of sleep, they fell asleep a certain way. When they get to that 40 minutes of a day or two hours overnight, they're naturally going from a deep phase sleep to a, a light phase sleep, which is that partial wake up. And their little eyes would flicker. They might, you know, do, just give it, let out a little moan or a grunt, reposition mm. themselves into in the cot. And if they can consolidate their sleep cycles and they're not relying on something to go back to sleep, they would. They'd transition back into another deep sleep cycle. But when they're relying on something to fall asleep at this age, they can't manage it themselves. So they will wake completely looking for it. It's like, hang on a minute. I had that dummy before I was sucking and I fell asleep and I want to go back to sleep, but I need it to go back to sleep. And mm. I can't put it in myself because A, I'm swaddled and B, I don't have that hand, hand and mouth coordination. So I have three Velcro straps around yeah. me. <laughs> I'm going to call out to mom, cry out to mom because I can't talk and she'll come put it back in. And it's just that constant cycle. So there are things you can do to help get you through it and, and teach your child to resettle, but those sleep cycles are here to stay. Great. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, like, you know, it it sounds a lot like it's hard when you're in it. As you know, we've all been there. But for any mums listening, like, everyone goes through it and you will get through it. But when you're in those trenches, it's We've got through it eight times between us. Yeah. Eight little missies. Are dream feeds worth giving a go? So I'm not, like, a massive advocate for the dream feed only because what I find can happen is, Sometimes because they're in such a deep sleep, they don't actually register they've had the feed. So they wake, you know, their sleep cycles still kick in. So they wake that hour later and you sort of think, well, I've just waited up to give this feed and now I've gone back to sleep for 40 minutes or an hour and you're up Mm. again anyway. So, you know, by all means, give it a go. But if you notice your child's waking that hour later, then it's not having the effect that we want anyway. So, And how many days or weeks would you try it and see if Uh, it works and drop it if it doesn't? Probably just three or four nights because they're going to re- have regulated their calories by then. So just give it three or four nights and if it's not working, it's not working. But that might be a good one to see, you know, if you can express or if you're formula feeding, like trying a bottle and getting dad to do it and see if it, you know, because then you can still go to bed and get that sleep if they do happen to wake that hour later. If anyone who doesn't know what a dream feed is, it's basically, it's often around like 10 p.m. I think it's recommended yeah. while the baby's still asleep and either you or your partner feeds them while they're asleep. I found it made a huge difference with Poppy, but made Goldie's sleep actually worse. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, yeah. trial, it's trial and error, but don't persist with it if you do find they're waking yeah. an hour later. Give it a go if it doesn't work doesn't work. Now, what's the earliest that someone can start implementing a routine or sleep training? Okay. So our, we have obviously have our, uh, like an online newborn course, which is more so about, it's not sleep training. And I really hate that term, but that's essentially, I guess we're, we're teaching our child to sleep. It's more so setting foundations from day one, because we're not with newborns, we're not going to be doing any sort of sleep training, but it's establishing healthy sleep habits from day one. So setting that sleep environment, saying these are the best things you can do with a newborn. Um, You know, really like practice a nice wind down routine consistently at home at bedtime. Always try to do that. Like really start to set a bit of repetition and routine around that. Watch those awake windows. That's super important. But 
in terms of sleep training, like usually after their four months is when we start looking at different settling methods and things like that. But before that age, it's more about just establishing those healthy sleep habits. And we do go through like settling in the bassinet, but it's not into, it's just more like, let's try some padding. If your baby's fussing, let's roll them like that sort of thing, rather than, you know, like these are the sort of cry for 55 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) No, I don't do that. No. No, I was joking. I said rather than that. Oh, rather than that, yeah. So, yeah, it's just more trying to, at this age, we're talking newborns today, establish those healthy sleep habits from day one, but also look at them in, from a realistic point of view too and, and not sort of set those. Um, it's not about getting your child to sleep through at three weeks of age. God, no, you're not going to get that. <laughs> Any tips on how to manage a routine with a toddler in the house? Another good point is, who do we follow? Like whose routine do we follow? Do we follow the toddlers and then the baby just goes along with the ride and then they just slip in with naps? Or do we go, no toddler, you're going to have to come back with me because baby needs to go and sleep here. Like who is really, well, who's more important? Who's the more, who's the more important (laughs) one? Who prioritise? Yeah. Mm. I guess who sleep better better the night before. (laughs) 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 Um, No. So at this age too, like with a newborn, we're not following a set, like we're not, okay, seven o'clock feet, eight o'clock solids. Like it's not like that. It's, we just follow their awake windows and, and go off there and their sleepy cues. We're not, you know, stuck to a, a regimented routine as such. So the toddler's routine is going to be much more structured and that's going to be their priority. So mm-hmm. if you're out and about and the toddler's got to go home for a sleep at 12 o'clock, well, the baby just has to fit in around, you know, what you're doing when you're out and about. And that's why the carrier and things and the capsules and all that come in handy. But in terms of the newborn, again, it's just watching that awake window and the big, their naps are going to fit in around the babies, the toddlers. So, yeah, toddlers' naps are definitely more of a priority than just watching the newborn's awake windows. Beautiful. Yeah, the baby always comes second to the toddler oh. and I wish I could go back to my yeah. pregnant self and tell her that because yes. I was so worried yeah, Poppy was just going to hate us. And, and I was like, no, I feel bad for Goldie, not yeah. for Poppy. Oh. Goldie got, like, think, neglected as a newborn. Yeah, and I think, like, you will probably both agree, like, they end up being super cruisy because of it like they don't have a choice they just have to slot in like yeah. Hattie, Hattie was my easiest and she never had like a schedule she had to nap like pretty much on like you know in the capsule all the time or the pram or the carrier and, and never had any structure because she just had to slot in whatever we had to do we had gymnastics and play group and she's had to go with the flow but they're pretty cruisy babies because of it so Absolutely. if that's your concern don't don't let it be a concern honestly but yeah I think just go with the flow don't have don't put pressure on yourself to achieve a routine at this age. It's not going to happen. There's going to be days where you just cry in the car and just oh, let all the kids There'll be scream. a lot of crying. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. I think you feel better once you've had a cry too. Oh, it's so nice, isn't it? When mm, you sleep deprived and you're like, yeah. oh, I just needed yeah. to get that out. I feel better And you're better like, now. I never thought my yeah. face could be any puffier and then I went and had a cry on top of my sleep deprivation oh, and now um, I literally look like I've had an allergic reaction. Can we just, I know we've just like trickled over it, but let's just talk about sleep deprivation a little bit more because it is that feeling when you haven't had a child and then you give birth, you can't tell anyone what that's going to feel like. and yeah nothing for me, no one can prepare you for but it. even for me it's already a blur but for me yeah. I remember it's like waking up straight away getting out of bed and your brain has been left on the pillow <laughs> and you're like I don't know where I am but I'm doing what I have to do yeah I at one stage with Billy she got a lot of times in that four-month sleep regression I 
actually head butted the wall. Like I fell asleep standing up and head butted the wall and my husband just went, did you just, did you just head butt the wall? And I said, yeah, I actually did. Yeah, but it is, fair. it's just the most strangest time of my life. And, yeah, and, and so it's all about up. being nice to yourself and being nice to your baby and it's the most disgustingly normal feeling, unfortunately, because when you're going through it, you just think there's no way this can be normal yeah. and unfortunately and you don't it think is. it's ever going to end like you think is this really going to end but absolutely and especially if you've just had your first baby just know that all of a sudden this sleep will start to like be longer in between sleeps and you yeah. will start to kind of rise above the fog and I think with having consecutive children that was like the one thing with Goldie that I was like okay even though I'm so sleep deprived and I've got a toddler on top of it now I know that this is not forever whereas when I had yeah. Poppy I was like what have I done is this how I'm oh. gonna now feel for 18 years <laughs> I know it, and it's so funny I remember like too like having Elkie my first and I was like again that sleep deprived state and it's horrendous and you just don't think it's ever going to end and sort of sometimes you don't leave the house you don't get out of your pajamas all day like you're lucky if you brush your teeth and then the second one comes along and you're like yeah it's 8 a.m i'm out with two kids i've got my coffee like it's it's so weird isn't it i've got an underlying sensation of nausea and a slight headache (laughs) but i'm out like i can do this because yeah i just think nothing and no one can prepare you for having that baby and like you said you have to be kind to yourself and if it is your first child you're learning just like your baby's learning. Like you've only been, if you've got a six-week-old baby, you've only been a mum six weeks. Like it's a massive adjustment. You need to just be kind to yourself and embrace that fourth trimester. And, you know, if it means that you lock yourself, you know, away from people for like that fourth trimester and just, you know, do whatever you want to do and hang at home in your pyjamas, do that. Like don't feel the, the pressure to get out with a full face of makeup and make all these plans. Is it true that you don't ever get that sleep back that you lose? Oh, look, I'm nine years in now and I still feel like I'm sleep deprived, so I can't really speak, but I don't don't think you would. No, I really don't. No, my brother, when we just had Goldie, came up to visit and he was reading a book all on the science of sleep telling me how, did you know you can never actually catch up on sleep? And sleep deprivation causes, I can't even (laughs) speak, causes irreparable damage to brain cells and all this stuff. And I was like, Ned, why the fuck are you telling me this? What do you want me to do? Ship him off somewhere? Like there's nothing I can do. Like, and here's this guy, he's never had kids yet. And I'm like, get your bloody book away from me. I don't need him. And look, I can't even string a sentence together. So yes, it's true. And she's had a coffee. Yeah, I know it is. But honestly, yeah, I think like even as they get older and they, everyone thinks oh, I'll sleep again. But, you know, I speak to my friends who've got teenagers and like I, I don't sleep because I'm waiting for them to get home at night. And like I at the moment I don't sleep because I'm like, oh, my kids need to get their puffer, their asthma puffer. Or like, there's just there's constantly something. But I think in terms of that newborn sleep, it's the hardest. You're in the trenches. So, yeah, just be kind. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been saying that the sleep issues just continue. Jade and I are both having issues with our toddler's sleep. But I think that's a whole episode in well, itself. So can we please have you back? Yeah. Oh, come have a homestay. But yeah. can we also have you back for a toddler episode? Yeah, sure. Toddlers are a whole different ball game. Like it's all, they're so much more involved because they, they understand like you can, you know, they comprehend things. So there's so much more involved. It's, it's actually completely different to anything. Well, let's, let's leave that at 
to be continued, shall we? Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Christy, and answering all our questions on newborn sleep. No, you're welcome. It was nice. We love you. I love you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.